The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rock. Good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionists, liberals, <laughs> libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ people, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina. And I'm the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. And uh, if you're wondering why I emphasize liberals, there was uh, one of our friends in the chat mentioned that uh, there were liberals and former liberals who were listening to the show. So I don't want to leave you guys out. That was why others, but I I get it. I, I get it. So I don't want to leave you guys out. I appreciate your support in listening to the show and, uh, and coming on with us early in the mornings like this. And... Um, with that said, if you want to check us out online, please do so, sonsoflibertyradio.com and sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you want to watch the video portion of the show, go to sonsoflibertymedia.com, scroll right down there on the right, and that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio. You can also check that out on my video feed, or on my Twitter feed, the video portion of the show at FPP Tim. That's also going on on our Periscope account, at Setting Brush Fires. Our Facebook page is Bradley Dean SOL. Our YouTube channel is B Dean Sons of Liberty. Before it's news.com, every weekday morning, 6 a.m. Eastern Time, Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. Eastern Time. Then Bradley's on at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Saturday. And let's see, finally, we're on DLive.tv. We've got some friends over there uh, as well. Appreciate you guys' support. The Sons of Liberty on DLive.tv. And then finally, Spreely, Gab, MeWe Minds, and USA.life. Catch us there at Sons of Liberty or Sons of Liberty Media. And then if you want to call in, the number's right there. Those of you watching the video portion of the show, the number's right there in the bottom part of your screen. Those listening by radio, Red State Talk Radio, 215-TOP-TALK, 215-867-8255. If you'd like to call in and uh, comment, leave a, or ask a question, I can tell you I'll have an answer. It might be, I don't know, but no, I'll have, I'll have one one way or the other. In any case, <clears throat> something that um, maybe not, getting as much coverage during the whole coronavirus scamdemic, um, the rioting, and things of this nature, is the issue of keeping and bearing arms. You know, it, we, we have this thing that, that's going on. It's very concerning to me to where governors, presidents say, oh, we... We, we have a national emergency. We're declaring a national emergency. And so, therefore, during a national emergency, we can do all kinds of things that we normally couldn't do. 
Does that sound lawful and right to you? It doesn't sound lawful and right to me. In fact, almost in every case where a tyrant rises, they come out of the declaration of an emergency. William Pitt the Younger said, Necessity is the plea for every infringement of human freedom. It is the argument of tyrants. It is the creed of slaves. One more time. Necessity. See, this is where it comes down to, oh, we're going to have to impose mandatory mass things. We're going to have to... uh, Some of these states are already talking compulsory, mandatory vaccines. We know other countries throughout the world are already pushing that on their people. Okay? And I know President Trump has said many of the people will get the vaccine uh, if they want it. He's, he's kind of said that. But then we have the military being called in. I don't remember the Constitution saying the military is to be used to provide vaccines to the people. I don't, I don't, they're defensive. They're not, this is not part of the duty that they have. And all of this is by a need, a, a perceived need that's, that's given. There's a lot of things going on. Um, my son, R.C., put some, uh, some information out at uh, one of the sites I set up for my kids. I set up a couple of sites for my kids several years ago for them to earn a little bit of money. And, you know, if it ended up helping aid the family, which it did over a period of time, but, I mean, it's, it's very small. They're very small outlets. Then, um, you know, that was great. But it gave them some responsibility each day. They would, they would post articles. They might learn something if they, if they found interest in some of the articles. And um, one of those is gunsinthenews.com. And over there, all we do is deal with either you know, gun reviews or gun news or legislation that's before uh, Congress, maybe in the states and things of this nature. And it pulls from a lot of different people to do that. And so each day, you know, we put out some stuff there. And it's interesting because I don't see a lot of this news in the news. Now, again, we could go back and we can talk about Trump, but I'm not going to do that. You already know uh, what he's done in the past is for supporting, quote-unquote, assault weapon bans. You know that he said the thing about, you know, just basically stripping the entire uh, Bill of Rights virtually and uh, denying you due process over the case of pushing red flag laws. Now, he hasn't, he hasn't actually went and done it yet. He backed off of Lindsey Graham's red flag laws. Good for him for that because he shouldn't have been supporting it in the first place. But the states have been pushing that. 19 of them, as far as I know, have red flag laws. And then we we come to other people within the Republican Party, like Thomas Massey. Thomas Massey, some years ago, told us both parties were out for our guns. I think I've played that on a previous show, and I probably should have brought that up. But in any case... They're not for our rights, they're for themselves, and the large majority of people representing us are pushing an agenda, and it is an American one. It is one in which they make us slaves, and they want our creed to be, oh, save us, mighty government. Save us from ourselves and the invisible boogeyman that you tell us is out to get us. Okay? 
yesterday, uh, well, actually over the weekend, there was a, um, a video that went viral. And it was of this man and his woman, uh, his wife, his woman. <laughs> you know, that would be the same translation in the Hebrew, that the same woman, the same word for woman and, and, um, and wife are the same. It depends on the context of how you understand that. But a mob came through of these BLM activists. Now, they, they weren't at the time when they were going through their spray painting things and toppling things. They were just walking down the sidewalk. But here's the problem. When they walked into their community, that community was a private community. It was very clearly stated on the gates that went into that community. It's very affluent, okay? Regardless of what you think about it, it was stated. And they're walking down the sidewalk. And they begin to walk up close to the house. They don't actually go on these people's property, but they are on in a private community. And they're waving their signs around. They got their cameras and they're making noise and stuff. And the man and his wife come out. Now, I got to tell you, <laughs> the guy and his wife need some serious training on how to handle their weapons. Okay. Because they kind of look goofy here. Okay. I'm just going to say that at the same time, I'm all for their right to keep and bear arms. Even <laughs> they're handling them pretty terribly. In one point, I mean, the guy pretty much puts the end of his AR-15 in the side of his wife. I mean, that he's while he's holding it, I'm just thinking, what are you doing, dude? And he holds it just, oh, it's horrible. And the woman, you know, so much like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if she shot the thing before. It's just kind of interesting. But they have that right to keep and bear arms. And rightly so. In fact, what's so interesting, what it what it reminded me of, do you guys remember when Joe Biden told the people they didn't need high-capacity magazines? You see, because here's the thing. If they can't take your guns, they're going to try to tax your ammo to where you can't get it or make it to where you can't get your ammo. You're going in some places, you got to have some kind of permit and all this to buy ammo. It's just absolutely stupid. And what good is a gun if you don't have bullets you can use? That is part of the arm itself. These restrictions are unlawful and they're tyrannical, okay? But it reminds me of Joe Biden. Do you guys remember when Joe Biden talked about this? Let me remind you, and there's a little humor in this, okay? So some of you who are listening by Red State Talk Radio, you're going to hear the part that I want you to hear about Joe Biden in this. But you guys, <laughs> you guys watching, you'll get a little humor within this couple of minute video here that reminds us of what Joe Biden said about buying a shotgun. Okay, here we go. Certain kind. She's asking if um, a ban goes into effect on certain kinds of weapons and high capacity magazines. And what's your name? Um, Kate. Kate, if you want to protect yourself, get a double barrel shotgun. Have the shells of 12 gauge shotgun, and I promise you, as I told my wife, we live in an area that's wooded and somewhat secluded. I said, Jill, if there's ever a problem, just walk out on the balcony here or walk out, put that double barrel shotgun, and fire two blasts. Watching, these are a lot of young ladies firing shotguns and almost killing themselves in some cases. You'll be completely fine. Oh my God. And others. 
strong, Autumn. Pull the trigger. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> she couldn't control it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it hurts. I don't like it. I promise you, who's ever coming in is not going to. You don't need an AR 15. It's harder to aim, it's harder to use. <laughs> now we're seeing video of young ladies using an AR 15. No problem. Looks like they're having fun. Look, smiles on and the face. In fact, you don't need 30 rounds to protect yourself. Yeah, you don't. You don't, need, you don't need that. Buy a shotgun. Buy a shotgun. <laughs> okay. All right. I think we've seen enough of that. Okay. So um, <laughs> the guy at the end shoots and his pants falls down. Okay. So you don't need 30 rounds, right? You, you have no need of that. An AR-15 is much more difficult to, to aim, and it is, it, it's, it's, it's harder to handle and this, that, and the other. Now, look, I'm all for shotguns. I like shotguns. I like shooting shotguns. All kinds of them. Double barrel, pistol grips, you know, the old style western ones. I mean, I like all of that. I, I do. But when you see this video, and many of you have seen it, of this, this couple coming out, there are dozens of these people. Okay, You've seen some of the video of the rioting and the looting. Many of you remember the 92 riots in L.A. when the police, the guys who are supposed to be there to protect and serve, run like little cowards uh, in the midst of the rioters, okay? And they leave the people for themselves, and the Koreans are up on top of their roof uh, protecting their property. And they have weapons that carry high-capacity magazines. This is why it's very important. And so I want to make this point here, and then I'm going to get to some of the things that we're dealing with in our country today. Uh, I'm just going to play this. Some of you will be able to see it, um, obviously, if you're watching by video. And here's what was going on. There was a mob of protesters that invade private property. Uh, they don't quite go inside. Turn this down just a little bit. And you can see the mob walk through the gate into private property. Right here on the left uh, is a sign. The guy's kind of covering it up there. But it says private property. This is a, commu a gated community. They are on the sidewalk, but the sidewalk is not public property. It is all private property here. And you see the homeowner come out. He's got his AR-15. And then the weird thing is his wife is way out beyond where their you know, big cement wall is. He's standing on his porch. You'll see his wife come out in the yard with her little pistol. And he keeps telling them to get out. It's private property. They keep telling him to calm down. Well, he's pretty calm at this point. He's not firing. Yeah, 
high-speed wireless projectile propellers. And you can see the people who are gathered here. There's probably a couple of dozen, maybe three dozen, I don't know. And they're moving them along. It's just, it's absolutely crazy. Now, some people have said, let me turn this down a little bit. Some people have said that uh, this this looks uh, a little fishy. Maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, but uh, here's the thing I want to I want to point out, and that is, is that they're going into a private community here, okay? They're not on public pr- property here. They're, this is not a public um, sidewalk. You can see there's a lot of people, dozens of them, who are going through here. And the thing that uh, doesn't get brought out here, <laughs> yeah, she needs a black pistol, if you ask me. Um, that 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 whole thing there is just incredible. The thing that gets me is is that they move these these people along, okay? They move them along by bringing out their weapons. And can you imagine? Uh, you know, I don't know why Jill Biden continues to stay with Joe Biden because, um, you know, he has his hands all over every other man's wife and child. That's one thing. And then he says, oh, baby, just you know, fire the fire the two blasts and that'll scare anybody off. Well, maybe, maybe not. But in a crowd like this, if you just fire in the air, they know you got two shots. You've done used them up. <laughs> Sorry, Jill, you're going to be in trouble. But you got 30 rounds and maybe an extra magazine. You're good to go, right? I mean, you can you can defend yourself in that. The interesting thing is that once they left this area, they proceeded to rally outside of Mayor Lyda Krusen's, I believe I'm pronouncing her name correctly, L-Y-D-A-K-R-E-W-S-O-N, Lyda Krusen's house, pushing through police barricades to the yard and the front porch and painted the word resign on the street outside the house. This, This same crowd of knuckleheads. Folks, that's not protesting. That's thuggery. That's intimidation. That's destruction of property. No matter how much you may want the mayor to resign, that is a destruction of property. Then you've got trespassing to go along with it, too. These are criminals. They're not protesters. They're not peaceful. You say, well, they weren't weren't enacting violence. Look, when you destroy property, when you trespass, that is a violation of... That's tied to violence. You're doing violence to the law. That's what that means. You're trespassing. You're destroying property. That is a violent act. You may have a different understanding of how that is, but that's what it is. And that's what these people were doing. And as a result of that, what's going on? Well, you've got homeowners that come out who are armed. And by the way, for that couple, get some training. My friend Drew will treat you up there at Victoria Tactical. He'll teach you very well. Get some training on using your weapon um, in that. In any case, let's move on to something else because this got very little attention in the news. You know, uh, the governor 
of Kentucky, Andy Bashir. You know, he's this guy. <laughs> he's pushing it hook, line, and sinker the whole COVID 19 coronavirus tyranny, hoax, scamdemic. He's pushing the whole thing to get out of it as much as he can in Kentucky. Kentucky, for goodness sake. And the people aren't having it. Okay? So I came across a post the other day. I normally don't, you know, scroll through a bunch of Facebook stuff. In fact, if I didn't do what I do, I probably wouldn't even be on Facebook or any of these other platforms. I'm just telling you, I probably wouldn't be on them. But the people gathered together. They had um, what was called a... A Patriot Day support of the Second Amendment, something like that. And so there was a guy by the name of Ben Kennedy, and he wrote, one of the most powerful things we did at our rally, and this I think this was over the weekend, was to issue our declaration of the free citizens of Kentucky demanding the resignation of Governor Andy Bashir. I knew the leftist media would never report the real reason that we marched into the governor's mansion which was to try to repre- which was try to present it to Andy or one of his representatives in person but of course no one answered the door which is why I taped it up on the door for everyone to see i guess he did sort of a little martin luther thing you know that was his that was the people's 95 thesis and you'll notice he talks about the free people the free citizens of kentucky and you remember i talked about william pitt's quote he talked about the creed of slaves Well, these people aren't asking for permission to exercise their rights, okay? They're just going to exercise them, and they're going to stand against the tyrant. So, he said, I'm a little disappointed that so far not one of our elected officials here in Kentucky has joined us in demanding Andy's resignation because anyone who reads our declaration can see that all that we have accused him of doing and violating our constitutional rights is 100% true. And Andy should be forced to resign. Everyone start, everyone start calling your representatives. This is what he's calling the people to do. He's not asking people to do what he isn't doing himself, which is good. He leads by example. Calling your representatives in the Kentucky legislature and ask them why they're not calling for Andy's resignation. Because even the FOP in Louisville has demanded, he may have meant GOP there, but I just copied what he had had, uh, written, has demanded the resignation of Mayor Fisher. And what Andy has done to Kentucky is so much worse. Of course, it takes some real guts like we had in issuing our declaration to make such a demand. And apparently none of our state's elected reps have any. Uh, Again, this is from the state, you know, Rand Paul, Thomas Massey, you know, guys who uphold the Second Amendment here. Um, And I'm going to show you, this is from the article that I did there. You can find this at sonslibertymedia.com and gunsinthenews.com. This is a picture that that he took. This is the decoration on the right side. This is the governor's mansion here, and you can see he's got it taped up on the outside of the door there. Here's what they wrote. Now, bear with me. I'm going to read just a little bit here. On this, uh, this is their declaration. The Declaration of the Free Citizens of Kentucky Demanding the Resignation of Governor Andy Bashir. Whereas the Governor of Kentucky, Andy Bashir, took a solemn oath of office on December the 10th, 2019, in which he publicly stated, quote, I do solemnly swear that I will support the Constitution of the United States, 
and the Constitution of this Commonwealth and be faithful and true to the Commonwealth of Kentucky, so help me God. In the short time he has been in office, he has grossly violated his oath of office as evidenced by the following egregious actions that have deprived the citizens of Kentucky their basic rights guaranteed to them by both the United States Constitution and the Kentucky Constitution. He has gone to great lengths to silence anyone critical of him, grossly, quote, abridging the freedom of speech, end quote. He has done everything he can to interfere with the, quote, right of the people peaceably to assemble, end quote, especially in regard to voicing their objections to his draconian orders by illegally barricading the places for assembly at the Capitol building. He has refused to listen to all attempts made by the citizens of Kentucky to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Now, they're, they're quoting right from the Constitution. He has blatantly interfered with the free exercise of religion by not allowing the citizens of Kentucky to go to church and by threatening them with forced home, forced home incarceration if they disobey. He has violated the rights of the majority of Kentucky citizens by forcibly incarcerating them in their homes without due process of law. He has illegally disrupted interstate commerce. He has illegally attempted to practice medicine without a proper medical license. Oh, that one is so rich right there, folks. How many governors and such are doing just that? They're doing just that through this scamdemic, acting like they're medical authorities or something. Mm-hmm. That one is rich. That one's rich. He has failed to protect the lives of all Kentuckians by keeping abortion clinics operating that killed four times as many babies as the virus he used as an excuse to shut down the entire state. Oh, he's given it to him. He? he has allowed only certain businesses to remain open while forcing other businesses to close, violating their right to equal protection of the laws. This is good. This is really good. He has interfered with the fundamental inalienable rights of all the people to enjoy life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness by not allowing people to work. Governor Bashir's actions have been such a blatant disregard for the most basic rights of the people of Kentucky that other top political leaders of Kentucky have publicly denounced him. U.S. Senator Rand Paul has said that Andy Bashir is drunk with power and running a totalitarian state. U.S. Congressman Thomas Massey exclaimed, what the actual H-E double hockey sticks when he heard about Bashir's tyrannical plan to record the license plates of churchgoers on Easter in order to force them into home incarceration. Therefore, we, the free citizens of Kentucky, appealing to the supreme judge of the world, that's God, the God of the Bible, for the rectitude of our intentions, do hereby demand that Governor Andy Bashir resign his office as governor of Kentucky immediately. Now, I think that's great to call for the res resignation, but if you think this guy's going to resign, you're out of your mind. You're going to have to step it up a little bit. You're going to have to remove this guy, like in a recall or through impeachment. And if you can't get your state's reps to do the impeachment part, you're going to have to recall him. You're going to have to recall him. But I like what was written there. It was constitutional. It was lawful. You said you were going to do these things. This is the stuff in the quotes that the Constitution says that you're to, to act under. And you're not doing it. You're acting criminally. Therefore, you are a tyrant. 
you're a tyrant. Now, it's interesting. We've got some other things that are going on, and then I'm going to give you some of the positive aspects. I want to give you some positive aspects as to, from the Bible, from our founding fathers, about the right to keep and bear arms, okay? There is um, an effort, obviously, to defund police. This is a positive, this is actually a positive thing. I had a couple of these articles up because these are things that are going on. There is an effort to defund the police. Many of you are aware of this, especially there in Minneapolis. Now look, I I think the police exist because a vacuum was created. Okay? Let me tell you what I mean. Before people policed their own communities... They policed their own communities. They were the law. Okay? They knew what was right and they knew what was wrong. And they policed their own communities. They didn't have guys in badges with badges and guns and uniforms and all this stuff to do. This was a long time ago. Many of us don't even recall what, 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 what this was like. Because we've always known police officers. This was the idea behind the militia. Now, if you were listening, when we had... Dr. Vieira on, uh, and I'll put that in the um, in the archives this morning for those of you who may have missed the show. You really want to hear that. That is all about the militia. And if, you know, the people who are demanding justice, the, the actual people who are demanding justice, uh, in the instance of the George, George Floyd thing, if you actually are looking for justice and you're not looking to riot and burn down stuff and loot and all this other, but you're looking for justice... You can be a part of the solution to that. You can actually have what you want. This is what Dr. Vieira was talking about. You know, our Constitution says in Article 1, Section 8, okay, Congress is to provide for calling forth the militia to execute the laws of the Union, to suppress insurrection and repel invasions. That's our Constitution. And so if you want to be part of the problem, you not only get yourself a gun, but you start demanding of your local representatives, whether it's the sheriff or whoever there in your town or your county, hey, Constitution says we're supposed to have a militia. And uh, as Dr. Vera went through, you know, we talked about uh, they have listed the regular militia as the National Guard, even though that's that's federalized. I don't think that's what our, our founders had in mind at all. We're the unregular, if you will, or irregular, whatever, militia. I think we're the Constitution militia. Uh, able-bodied men, 17 to 45. And so why are we not demanding that we take up our responsibility as the people in our own community? Sure, I'm for, if we want to get rid of the police as a police department, fine. As Dr. Vieira said, put them as a subset of the militia. That way, everybody's on equal ground. There ain't this thin blue line stuff. It's the community. It's the lawful against the lawless. It isn't left and against right. It isn't Republican against Democrat. It's none of that stuff. It's the lawful against the lawless. Or I would say, we should be talking in terms of it is those advancing the kingdom of God and those who are not. Because our foundations are Christian. They are biblical And so, with that said, there is an effort to defund the police. Well, what is that resulting in? Gun sales. (laughs) Even taking some people 
who might have been a little bit hesitant to go get those guns to go buy some guns. Now, like I informed the couple there, you need to train with it. I don't think you have to have training in order to own a gun. I don't think that at all. You have a right to defend yourself. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit from the biblical and uh, constitutional perspective. But you need some training with that. There's also another uh, article that's written over at gunsandthenews.com. It's called Protecting the Second Amendment During Emergencies. Again, this is sort of our topic now. Um, And in that, they really laud South Dakota. Governor Christy Noem. And in this piece, they write, the framers of the Constitution knew what emergencies were, knew the pressures they engender for authoritative action, knew, too, how they afford a ready pretext for usurpation. So wrote Justice Robert H. Jackson in his famous concurring opinion on the scope of executive power in the steel seizure case Nearly 70 years ago, Justice Jackson's word words seem as pertinent as ever. Now, this is a great piece. I believe this is by David uh, Codrill, Um And, boy, he writes a lot on the Second Amendment. I love to read his stuff. You want to check that out. That's along the lines of what we're talking about now. Let me give you a couple of instances here of things that are going on. One is, while all of this stuff's going on, Below the radar, the Nix Review Act is going on, okay? Now, if you don't know what the Nix Act is, <clears throat> the National Instant Check System, that's what that stands for. This is the thing that Thomas Massey was warning the people about several years ago where he said, Republicans and Democrats are coming for your guns, and it was over Nix. That's what it was over, okay? Here's what's going on. This uh, also comes from guns in the news. The National Instant Check System has been a point of contention among Second Amendment supporters since the passage of the Brady Act in 1993. You know, the interesting thing about the Brady Act, you know, that came out of the whole thing with uh, Ronald Reagan being shot, right? And then, uh, what was it? Jim Brady, I believe was his name. You know, he was severely wounded, um, was in the wheelchair. He's been behind, you know, a lot of this has pushed this Brady Act gun control. The interesting thing about that is all the guys around, John Hinckley, the guy who shot the president, had guns. It's absolutely incredible to me (laughs) that the guy just comes up and takes a shot. And it isn't even fatal. So, I don't know. You can figure out what you want to figure out about that, whether any of that's played off or... it's absolutely incredible to me that you've got guys around that they, they can't stop it. But they want to take your guns. They want to, they want to infringe on your rights. Not theirs, but on, on yours. They, they want to do that. Just, just throwing that in there, it was free. right? Some view it as an infringement and a compromise. Well, it is. Others view it as averting a far worse situation. No, it's not. You see, if you deal with violent criminals under biblical law, Guess what? You bring justice against them. You show mercy to the community by doing it. And you don't have to worry about going through these silly checks and getting permits and doing all that. You know why? Because everybody 
is assumed to be innocent. That's what we're supposed to be here in this country, right? You're assumed innocent, not guilty. But every time you have to go and go through a background check, you're assumed guilty. You have to prove your innocence. That's what this is. This is not due process. This is standing justice on its head. That's what it is. I know it sounds good. I know it sounds like you're keeping guns out of the hands of bad people. But bad people find a way to get a weapon if that's what they want to do. They just will. They'll break in your house and steal yours if that's what they got to do. Right? This doesn't stop anything. In fact, it keeps law-abiding people from getting guns oftentimes. It goes without saying that a bare minimum, the system clearly needs fixes, and the Firearm Due Process Protection Act is something that should be passed as soon as possible. But anti-Second Amendment extremists have hated the national instant check system too. And why is that? Well, why is that? I mean, they're, they're pushing it. Universal background checks and all of this stuff. He says, because despite claims they made at the time, it was never about background checks. Did you catch that? It's never about background checks. At a minimum, many anti-Second American, uh, well, they are anti-American, any Second Amendment extremists ultimately want a, quote, needs-based. Does that sound familiar to you? Hello? Communism. Licensing scheme. In other words, you would need to prove to the government that you needed to own a certain gun, at which point they would uh, deign you ordained to grant you the license to own said firearm. So they have their own fixes in mind for Nick's, and they're not along the lines of the Second Amendment supporters would like. One of those proposing a Nick's fix that makes things work in is Representative Carolyn Maloney. <laughs> now, this lady is a joke. I'm just going to tell you. I don't know why you people there in her state keep putting her in, in office. It's, it's like Nancy Pelosi. It's like... Uh, the people who put Mitch McConnell in there and the rest of these people up there who can't uphold the Constitution. She's introduced H.R. 821, the Nix Review Act. The Nix Review Act is intended to start the process of turning Nix into a registration system. Did you get that? A registration system. First comes registration, then comes what? confiscation. This is to do that. Under current law, information on transactions that have not been denied is to be destroyed within 24 hours. Now, we know they're not doing that because they can give us the numbers later on that we read in certain news reports. Okay? We know that they're keeping some kind of record with regard to this. The intent is to preserve the privacy of Americans who choose to exercise a constitutional right. Maloney has talked about privacy before, and it has been a big deal for her on other issues, not on the gun issue. In the Nick's Review Act, she wants the FBI to hold on to data about non-denied firearms. That means lawful firearm purchasers. And when I mean lawful, I don't mean because you packed a background check. I mean because you're not a criminal. I want to make sure I'm, I'm stating that very clearly from my opinion here. About non-denied firearm transactions for at least 90 days. Well, why not 91? Why not five years? Why not indefinitely? 
That's a huge change on two counts. One, the FBI can retain the records for much longer, almost three months. That's bad enough for all sorts of mischief and Maloney's long anti-Second American, or it is Second, anti-Second Amendment, I'm sorry, track record points to a desire to at least enable mischief targeting our rights. And there are people who agree with her. There are people who agree with her. This is, this is a dangerous thing right here. Some of you listening may say, well, the, the next thing, we, we really need that. It's not a bad thing to keep 90 days because what if that person hasn't committed a crime and they buy a gun and they go out and then they're going to they're gonna go you know, kill somebody with it? Well, what if they do? There's laws to deal with them if they violate the law. Well, but Tim, we have to, we have to save lives. Let me let you in on a little something. I've been on this rock for about a little over half a century, okay? And I can tell you this. A criminal bent on crime is going to try to commit that crime. And the only thing to stop him is not a background check. It's going to be a formidable foe with a formidable weapon or a means of stopping him. Background checks don't do that. They are trouble for those who are just simply wanting to protect themselves, wanting to be part of the militia, wanting to be part of securing a free state. Okay? They don't stop anything. They don't stop any crime. The assault weapons ban that everybody wants to you know, cheer about with Bill Clinton and all, it didn't, it didn't lower any crime. It didn't lower violent crime. We're... we're um, Bans have been placed on guns, period, whether it's in the UK, whether it's in Australia, whatever. You watch their violent crime rates go through the roof. Not with guns, but all kinds of other violent crime skyrockets. Why? Because people don't have anything to defend themselves with. And over in the UK, it's really bad. I mean, you can have a baseball bat in your house, right? But if you conk the guy who's attacking you from the front, I mean, from the back... You can get in trouble. Like, you know, if you swatted him one time around the head and he turned around and you swatted him again in the back of the head, and he's still standing, you want to make sure that the threat's gone, they can charge you. How stupid is that? This is the kind of stuff these people, some of them, I think, unintentionally, they're they're acting emotionally because... You listen to Diane Feinstein, and she talks about her experience years ago. And you know, it's all emotional and stuff. We got to start thinking with our heads here, not our feelings. We got to start thinking with our heads. So, with that said, let me throw out a couple of things here. You know, Scripture speaks to the issue of disarmament, and one of the things that that's spoken about comes out of First Samuel chapter thirteen. I've shared this with you before, but I think it, it bears, it's, it's worth repeating, okay? In 1 Samuel chapter 13, we read in verse 19, it says, Now there was no smith found throughout all the land of Israel. Now remember, they don't have double-barrel shotguns. They don't have any kind of weapon that holds high-capacity arrows. I, I don't know. Uh, magazines for high-capacity, you know, put a bunch of arrows in there and shoot. They don't have stuff like that at this point in history. 
There was no smith found throughout all the land of Israel, for the Philistines said, listen to what they said, lest the Hebrews make them swords or spears. But all the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen every man his share and his coulter and his axe and his mattock. Yet they had a file for the mattocks and for the coulters and for the forks and for the axes and to sharpen the goads. These are all their, this is going to be their weapons if they have to use them, but this is what they they make their living with, right? Their agriculture there in, in the land that they live in. So it came to pass in the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people that were with Saul and Jonathan. You know, Saul was a wicked king. Jonathan was a good man. Nobody in the land had a weapon. No sword, no spear, except Saul and Jonathan, his son, was there found. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the passage of Michmash. Now, <clears throat> here's the thing. What we're seeing there is the guys in authority who should have been arming the people because the militia is biblical. Okay? It is biblical. That's This is pretty clear when you read Scripture in the Old Testament. The militia is there. And here's the thing. Who, who's, got the, who's got the sword? Who's got the spear? Well, it isn't the people of Israel. It's a couple of the elites, Saul and Jonathan. But the Philistines have them. They have them. Now, again, in this day and age, you could have probably used an axe in a battle there. You probably could have used some forks and some coulters and some mattocks. You could have probably used those pretty good. I mean, if you guys seen Braveheart, I mean, those guys are going at it hand to hand. You probably could have used some stuff like that. But the but the common thing known as the weapon, the spear and the sword, not to be found. Now, <clears throat> there's a lot of people who have a problem with Jesus's words. You remember in uh, Luke, in chapter 22, and in verse, what is it, 35. And he said unto them, When I sent you out without purse and scrip and shoes, lacked ye anything? And they said nothing. Now, you remember this. Jesus had sent them out two by two, remember? Sent them out with nothing, told them to trample on snakes and scorpions. He had given them authority. Uh, They went out and they cast out demons and they preached the gospel and they did all this stuff. And they really didn't have anything. It was just the two of the guys there together. They were bearing witness to what was going on. Remember, the scriptures, Old and New Testament say, by two or three witnesses, the matter shall be confirmed. So he sends out two people, okay? They do that. And he says, you remember the stuff? Did you lack anything? Nothing. You didn't, not, you didn't lack anything. And they said, you're right. We didn't lack anything. And then in verse 36, he says this. Then said he unto them, but now. So there's something going to change here. But now he that hath a purse, let him take it. And likewise his script. And he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say unto you that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me. And he was reckoning among the transgressors for the things concerning me have an end. And they said, Lord, behold, there are two swords or here are two swords. And he said unto them, 
it is enough. Or I've heard some guys say, okay, guys, I, pay attention to what I'm talking about. Now, he did tell them, take your purse with you. Why? You're going to need it. Well, Jesus, couldn't you just provide for us along the way? We wouldn't need this purse thing. Well, he tells them to take the purse. Take the script. If you don't have a sword, get one. The idea is that of a, of a dagger. Okay? Now, why is that? Is he saying, well, I want you to go out and I want you to convert people at the tip of the sword? No, that's not what he's saying at all. He knows they're going to fall into the hands, possibly, of robbers on the way. Remember, he gave the story of the Good Samaritan. The Jewish guy goes up and he's attacked on the road and left for dead. And the Samaritan comes and he cares for him. Now, no swords were used in that battle, but imagine how the, the Jewish, the business guy there, if he had been armed and been able to fight off the guys who were coming. Yes, I know it's a parable, but imagine what's going on there, okay? And so the issue wasn't to attack people. It wasn't to convert people at the tip of the sword. That's not taught anywhere in Scripture, anywhere in Scripture. People who've done that in the past in the name of Christ have betrayed what the Scripture says, this is to say it is to be used in defense. That's, I mean, there is no other way you can get it because you're not going to get it anywhere else. And you will get defensive passages within Scripture all throughout that are justified. Let me give you a couple other things. Noah Webster, he's a founding father, wrote the 1828 Webster's Dictionary. He also wrote the um, Young People's Moral Catechism, which is a great little book there. If you want to use that with um, your children, you can get that at Sons of Liberty Media uh, store. Just click on the store at the top of the screen. You can pick that up. <clears throat> he said, before a standing army can rule, the people must be disarmed. This is in 1787 that he wrote this. As they are in almost every kingdom of Europe, the supreme power in America cannot enforce unjust laws by the sword because the whole body of the people are armed and constitute a force superior to any band of regular troops that can be, on any pretense, raised in the United States. Patrick Henry, another founding father, an anti-federalist, by the way. Oh, sir, we should have fine times indeed if to punish tyrants... It were only sufficient to assemble the people. Your arms, wherewith you could defend yourselves, are gone, and you have no longer an aristoc... Arist ah, I'm going to mess this one up. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I can't, I can't even pronounce it, and I'm usually pretty good at pronouncing words. My tongue gets changed with two R's and an O and a C in the middle there. No longer a democratical spirit. Did you ever read of any revolution in a nation brought about by the punishment of those in power, inflicted by those who had no power at all? You see what I'm talking about? The guys in Kentucky, that, that letter that you stuck up there on the governor's door is great. The guys that I went up there and you, with you guys in, at Lobby Day in Virginia, that's great. But that force has to come out to deal with those who have abused their power and are forcing that abuse upon you. And this is what Patrick Henry's talking about. George Washington, there is nothing so likely to produce peace 
as to be well prepared to meet an enemy. William Penn, it is a great mark of the corruption of our natures and what ought to humble us extremely and excite the exercise of our reason to a nobler and juster sense that we cannot see the use and pleasure of our comforts but by the want of them, as if we could not taste the benefit of health but by the help of sickness, nor understand the satisfaction of fullness without the instruction of want, not finally know the comfort of peace but by the smart and penance, penance of the vices of war, and without dispute that is not the less reason that God is pleased to chastise us so frequently with it. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? This gets to issues of why the Second Amendment is so important, why the right of the people to keep and bear on arms shall not be infringed, not a little bit, not with necessity, not with for the common good. It shall not be infringed, period. The right of the people to keep and bear arms is not to be regulated. The militia is. The rights of the people to keep and bear the arms that they have is not. Those, th- those things are separate right there in the Second Amendment. Simeon Howard, I think I got time to read this. A people who would stand fast in their liberty should furnish themselves with weapons proper for their defense and learn the use of them. It is indeed an hard case that those who are happy in the blessings of providence and disposed to live peaceably with all men should be obliged to keep up the idea of blood and slaughter and expend their time and treasure to acquire the arts and instruments of death. (laughs) But this is a necessity which the depravity of human nature, I love this because this is rich with biblical theology here, has laid upon every state, nor was there ever a people that continued for any considerable time in the enjoyment of liberty who were not in a capacity to defend themselves against invaders unless they were too poor and inconsiderable to tempt an enemy. The thing here that, that's, that, that catches me is the depravity of human nature. Folks, you're not going to stop the violence and the crime unless you deal with the heart. And the only way to deal with the heart is the gospel of Jesus Christ that calls men to repentance, tells them there's a Savior from sin, and allows God to do His work through the preaching of the gospel. And that's what we want to promote here. The preaching of the gospel, the advancement of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. You guys, 23 hours, Rotten at the Core Wednesday. We'll be back with Lynn Taylor. See ya.